0: Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, good deeds done with good wills, sharing the good news. I'll tell you how you can be among the neighbors helping neighbors making the backyard mission trip happen. Also this morning, most Americans spend more time researching the purchase of a household appliance than they do in choosing a doctor. We have tips to make you as smart a shopper for health care as you are for consumer goods. This weekend Fun Day Sunday takes flight at the University of Findlay's Mazam Museum and in today's Throwback Thursday segment is your church prepared and equipped to be a safe haven for victims of domestic violence. Half of churches are not and the wrong response could compound the problem for victims. This is the Good Mornings podcast edition for Thursday, March 31st, 2022. If you need a reason to celebrate today, it is Bunsen Burner Day. (laughs) Well, I I know. I'm sure you're as excited as I am about that. It is a dance marathon day, National Tater Day, National Farm Workers Day. It is prom day. That's what it says. It is prom day. It is National World Backup Day. I'm assuming... That's the day to back up all of your files on your computer and and all of that. World Backup Day. Um, National She's Funny That Way Day. (laughs) There's got to be a story behind that. And it is Eiffel Tower Day. The Eiffel Tower opened in Paris on this date in 1889. So celebrating the famous landmark. There you go. Reasons to celebrate today. So uh, among the first things you need to know this morning... Uh, This is a new study from The Ohio State University. They They asked Americans, asked parents whether or not kids should be allowed to play tackle football. I mean, Americans love their football. But this appears to be, from this survey, a nation deeply divided about whether young kids should be playing tackle football. In this survey, 50% of Americans said that tackle football is inappropriate for children. Now, I don't know if they just put that out there open-ended or how they define children, whether this is you know, middle school and younger or high school or you know, you know, what age they were looking at. It just says here that 50% of Americans say that uh, tackle football is inappropriate for kids. 45% said uh, it was it was fine, and 5% uh, said they really don't know. So, uh, I mean, it's basically split right down the middle whether kids should or shouldn't be playing tackle football. The finding comes as participation in youth tackle football programs have declined the growing concern about the effects of uh, injuries and concussions, especially on young brains. We were talking yesterday about uh, concussions and uh, obviously football and even sports in general, not the only way that kids can get concussions or even adults for that matter. But uh, this has been an ongoing concern, support and opposition. Kids playing tackle football varied by factors such as race, ethnicity, belief in traditional values socioeconomic status family history and the community a person grows up in the co-author of the study for ohio state chris nester says a lot of uh, social and psychological factors shape our perceptions of whether kids should be blocking and hitting and tackling each other on the football field but it seems americans are now more wary than supportive of youth tackle football so kind of interesting there the uh, latest on that the Ohio State University. Some of the other first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to start your day. This is the latest uh, trick that uh, spammers have to uh, get those uh, bulk text messages that everybody hates to your phone. You know, they've got the uh, filtering systems now uh, on your phone that can delete uh, those mass text, spam text messages before they even reach your phone. But here's the way the uh, spammers are, are getting past those. Verizon says it's getting reports of text messages that come from your own phone number. Now, it's long been known that uh, the spam text messages come from spoofed numbers. But this is new. Uh, and uh, the scammers are cloning customers own phone numbers thus making it trickier to avoid the texts and the filter systems blocking systems Verizon and other experts say that since you can't block your own number the best course of action for now is just to not click on any of the links sent in those texts and to delete the messages as well you can also file a complaint with the FCC Verizon says it's working on the issue trying to get to the source to prevent any further messages. Also know if it happens to you, your actual phone number has not been hijacked, just subjected to technological impersonation is how they refer to it. But that is the latest there. And that would be weird. That has not happened to me. But uh, can you imagine you pick up your phone, you get a text message alert, you pick up your phone and say, oh, I'm texting myself. But no, it comes from a spammer. Uh, this is really weird. I saw this on the uh, newswire and raised an eyebrow, to say the least. It's kind of a, uh, like a moment out of the Da Vinci Code. Apparently, archaeologists have uncovered multiple stone tombs and a sarcophagus under the floor of Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Uh, They have been working to reconstruct. You remember Notre Dame burned a few years ago. Uh, The roof burned, substantial damage to the uh, centuries-old cathedral. They've been working on shoring it up and rebuilding it and uh, all of that. And as part of the work, they got underneath to shore up the foundation. And they found underneath uh, several tombs and a completely preserved human-shaped sarcophagus made out of lead. Uh, Suspected as originating in the 13th century, the find was described as a remarkable scientific discovery. And uh, had Notre Dame not burned, they may have never known that it was there, but that's, wow, that is really wild. So, a little buzzing about that. A couple of other uh, things among the first things you need to know this morning. A group of students at Northern Illinois University are celebrating a potential new world record. An advanced photography class created a paper snowflake. Remember creating paper snowflakes when you were like grade school? You'd fold up the paper and you'd clip here and there and then you'd unfold the paper and have this pretty uh, design. uh, These paper snowflakes. Well, this uh, photography class has created a paper snowflake that measures 44 feet, 6 inches square. 44 feet square. The previous record was 20 feet. It took the class around 10 hours to construct the snowflake. Uh, the record is in the process of being certified by the Guinness folk. That is wild. 44 feet, what? <laughs> paper snowflake. How, how could you fold that up to the point where you could... You could cut, I mean, how many folds would that take? I don't know. And uh, speaking of uh, records, this is kind of interesting. You know, um, Cedar Point, Kings Island, amusement parks in this area, seasonal amusement parks getting set to open for the season. Uh, Kings Island celebrating its 50th anniversary down near Cincinnati. And the legendary ride, the legendary coaster at the park, The Beast, is now, has now broken its own record as the world's longest wooden roller coaster. Park officials said yesterday, or Tuesday, I'm sorry, that a recently completed retrofit actually increased the length of the roller coaster, extending it another 24 inches. <laughs> so uh, it now measures 7,631 feet. It was 7,629 feet and they added two feet of track. (laughs) So it is a new world record broke its own world record for the longest wooden roller coaster. The uh, ride spans over 35 acres. They uh, began refurbishing the coaster last November and replaced 2000 feet of track. Um, And they made the first drop hill actually a steeper angle. Not to increase the thrills, but to increase rider comfort. Uh, just the dynamics of it, the engineering of it. Uh, they were trying to make it a little more comfortable to ride. The Beast course opened in 1979 as the tallest, fastest, and longest wooden roller coaster in the world. Uh, still, to this day, reti- retains the title of the longest wooden roller coaster. And now two feet longer than it was last year so. 50th anniversary Kings Island. I got to get down there and ride. This has been years since I've ridden the Beast. And uh, by the way, one final note, and I promise this will be the last that I will talk about this on the program unless some bombshell comes out uh, that we haven't yet heard. But Will Smith's slapping of Chris Rock uh, did goose the ratings of the Oscar ceremony on Sunday night by some 600,000 viewers. When people heard that it had happened, they tuned in to the Oscars to see what was going on. Uh, but a new survey of viewers uh, now it says 63% of those that they asked said that they will be definitely tuning in next year just to see what may happen next year. I don't know. That's what they're saying now. But I thought this was kind of interesting. They uh, said that was the most shocking moment in Oscars history. 35% of those in this poll, said that Will Smith's slap of Chris Rock was the most shocking moment in Oscars history. And that's among some other pretty wild moments at the Oscars. Uh, When La La Land was accidentally announced as Best Picture in 2018, only 19% said that was the most shocking Oscar moment. When Marlon Brando declined his Best Actor award in 1973, 17%. Said that was the most shocking moment in Oscars history. Uh, another 17% cited John Travolta mispronouncing Edina Menzel's name a few years ago. You remember when that happened. And if you're old enough to remember, the streaker that ran across the stage at the 1974 Oscars uh, during a, uh, an awards presentation. They had a streaker actually run across the stage. Uh, but only 16% cited that as the most shocking Oscar moment. I would have to vote for that one. But then again, a lot of people nowadays probably don't remember all the way back in 1974. But 35% said uh, that slap heard around the world was the most shocking moment in Oscars history. What say you? And I'm interesting. There you go. Some of the most
1: interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. <laughs> WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Cloudy and windy today. Temperatures falling into the 40s in the afternoon. A chance of a little rain or snow tonight, low 35. Ongoing work by Columbia Gas will cause some lane closures on South Main Street and Finley. The work Columbia Gas has been doing on East Lima has been getting closer to South Main, and now the work will be crossing over South Main. So beginning on Monday, South Main Street will be down to one lane in either direction in the area of Lima Street to give crews room to work. The lane closures will be in effect for about a month. Delays are to be expected. Get more on the website. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost is pushing for bail reform and supports a Republican proposal to amend the state constitution on how a bond is determined. Yost claims this addition to the constitution will keep your family safe. The presumption of innocence in court does not equal, it's not
0: the same as pretending that a career criminal poses no
1: threat on the street. Joe's pointing to the shooting on I-71 as an example. Before the shooting, that suspect to the case had posted bond and failed to appear at multiple cases pending against him. ONN's Andrew Kinsey reporting. Get more on the website. Experts at the James Cancer Hospital at Ohio State University are applauding the approval of a second COVID booster for people age 50 and older.
2: Dr. Raphael Pollock, who is the director of the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, says it's really important for people who are
3: immunocompromised. If we have a sufficiently large pool of vaccinated individuals, the virus doesn't have a place to go. It runs up against a, a brick wall.
2: Researchers at the James are studying COVID immunity in the cancer patient population. And they found that a two-dose regimen really is not enough protection.
1: ONN's oh, Tracy Townsend reporting. Finley First Edition was in Nashville last weekend competing in the Show Choir Nationals at the Grand Ole Opry. They finished in fourth place and also won the award for Best Technical Crew. Finley First Edition can be seen next at their annual cabaret in May at Finley High School. You can see video of their performance from last weekend on the website. Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
0: And now we get to our cover story this morning. The Backyard Mission Trip is right around the corner once again with the mantra of good deeds done with goodwill sharing the good news. We have details on how you can be a part of this uh, event with Neighbors Helping Neighbors, Courtney Comstock and Carl Hemminger are with us uh, in the studio this morning. Thank you both for uh, dropping by uh, this morning and kind of uh, uh, blowing your way in here with all the, uh, <laughs> the wind. You, know, you don't even need to drive. You just uh, hold your Pull jacket your out, out and yep. yeah, it just blow right in. <laughs> um, so, first of all, the uh, Backyard Mission trip is happening when? What is the uh, date? For this
4: well thank you Chris it's it's Saturday April 30th
0: okay so uh, coming up uh, here in about a month and the big push right now is to uh, get volunteers.
4: Yes, that's what we're looking for, volunteers this year that can help on home projects, spring cleanup, things like that. So mm-hmm. light carpentry, electrical, any of those skills that, uh, yeah, we yeah. need volunteers.
0: So what is involved uh, with the uh, the volunteers? I know there are a number of projects uh, that kind of run the gamut, right?
5: Yes, there are. You can do multiple things to get involved. You can, like he was saying, the home improvements. If you have a skilled labor, we do... Um, Help with yard work, those types of things throughout. So, I mean, the volunteers are essential to help out the neighboring communities and right. uh, the, the local community and the neighbors. It's it's imperative that we help each other out. But
0: but you don't have to have any special skills necessarily in no, order to participate. No, we encourage children
5: to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as Keep America Beautiful affiliates know, going out and cleaning up the roadways help out. So we're just asking now to get involved with Backyard Mission. Come help, clean up the yards, paint some fences help with the electrical if you can maybe you know your neighbor needs some new steps and hasn't been able to be able to do it that's what that's what we want to do is work together and you will match uh, individuals who
0: have certain abilities certain specialized skills with projects that need uh, someone specialized you know, with that.
5: Right. When they get into the website, they log in what knowledge and stuff they have. So yeah. if you have a certain skill and we have projects for you, we're happy to get you assigned and team you up. So to have those team leaders ready to dive in and help coordinate these things. Again, the volunteers are essential to this successful program. How
0: many years? This is, what, the 10th year? 10th year. I was was going to say. I thought I didn't want to say that
5: for sure.
4: Not
0: really counting COVID. We're really glad to be back in
4: person this Mm -hmm. year post-COVID. So so that's a a big thing for us, too. Yeah, uh,
0: I know the the past couple of years have been a real uh, challenge and uh, weren't able to get uh, many of those projects done. Yeah. Talk about the uh, the uh, inspiration for this or the the mission behind the mission, if you will.
4: This, this grew out of a, a project that came out of, of College First Church of Christ that they, they were looking of rather than going out of town uh, down to the Caribbean or something on a mission trip, mm-hmm. we've got needs at home and let's just kind of uh, take a day and, and help our neighbors either uh, members of our church or just uh, neighbors uh, neighbors around our church that are in the shadow of our steeple. And so uh, uh, Pastor Bill Rice and Judge Fry kind of kicked this off, and it's just grown into a, a community event. La, uh, two years ago, we had about 35, 37 churches involved. So it's mm-hmm. not all not all church-related, but we try to focus and, and use that as the core group. But uh, other community groups are, are participate, Boy Scout troops, uh, companies, uh, some of the fraternal organizations, 4-H get involved. So it, it's an actual community event now.
0: I would imagine that the benefit for the, to the community is twofold. And number one, uh, individuals who are in need get some projects done that they need help with, uh, which is you know, on the tangible level, but then intangibly, it also really opens our eyes to the number of individuals within the community that are in need of help.
4: Yes, and we'll take on about 200 projects hmm. on the big day. We'll have a few left over uh, that we can't get around to, but it, but we did a major endeavor to,
0: to helping those
4: those homeowners.
0: Yeah, and uh, the day of, I mean, it's a, uh, a it's a big thing. I mean, it's uh, you drive around the community, you see the signs, you see the people in the uh, in the uh, backyard mission trip uh, shirts and so on, and and I know everyone who participates uh, gets an awful lot out of it.
5: Yes, we usually kick it off with a prayer meeting and breakfast in the morning. Uh, We are going to do that again on April 30th.
0: Okay.
5: Um, That'll be held out to the Old Mission Center out at the fairgrounds. So um, we'll be kicking off and then getting everybody their supplies and off to start their day. And we'll, of course, give them the coupons again so that they can get lunch and uh, continue with their good service
0: it it does give you a a good feeling to know that you have helped out a neighbor and not that the uh you know mission trips to other nations in need or other communities in need aren't important but uh to to know that you have stepped up to help someone right in your own backyard uh there is something special with that
4: Yep, exactly and we're also blessed to, to be able to partner with Habitat for Humanity uh, that some of the bigger projects that might be submitted, we don't have the the capacity, the skills to do that. So so we partner with Habitat, and they take those on, and, and they 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 work on those critical repairs then through the year also. So they're a great partner. We have other great partners. The city is stepping up to, to provide support, logistical support. The county is great. Uh, some of the corporate uh, sponsors too, or McDonald's and and things are great. So we couldn't. It's a community event. We couldn't do it out with everyone.
0: Literally hundreds of projects will be addressed on this, uh, on this one day, the Backyard Mission Trip, uh, coming up at the end of April. And again, the big push right now is for volunteers, those who can uh, spend a, a few hours to uh, help out their neighbors. How do folks do that? How do they sign up?
4: Probably the easiest way is to go to to our website, which is uh, backyardfindleybmt.com, okay. findleybmt.com. Uh, there's a button on there you can push to, to, to volunteer and you'll submit a very brief volunteer profile and that'll put you in our database. Uh, a lot of our volunteers will be coming through churches, so we're hoping to get the churches involved, and mm-hmm. uh, a team leader will be at each church, and they can put together their team uh, from their congregation and go that way, too. But if
0: you don't uh, have a, a church, if you are not a part of a congregation or your church is not participating on that level, you can still volunteer individually? If you're a
4: free agent, we'll a take a you. Free we'll, agent put, we'll put you on a team. We've got some team leaders that are looking for some pickups and uh, come off the bench and go out and take
0: yeah. on project and again Courtney as you mentioned no special skills are necessarily involved if you can operate a rake you're in absolutely
5: (laughs) we want to get the whole family involved so you know help teach your children that this is a great method to go so you know grab the kids and maybe you know, take them and help rake up some leaves and pick up some sticks and then go to the zoo later. I don't know. Yeah. But the way to help the neighbors is to, to team up. And we need to be sure we're teaching our youth that as well. Yeah.
4: And, and we need volunteers for hospitality too. Courtney's in charge of hospitality events. So if, if you want to help serve some coffee and things like that. Well, she's a very uh, hospitable person. She so. surely <laughs> is. And that's why she's a match. Uh, and it could be as simple as being on a team and talking to the homeowner. Some of these are older people just like having, a, having being able to have a conversation. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So thanks, everybody.
0: It is a uh, terrific event, 10th year for the Backyard Mission Trip. Uh, and we've got a link up on our webpage uh, to the uh, Mission Trip website where you can get more information about it. Again, uh, Carl Hemminger, Courtney Comstock, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate Thank it. You. Thank, Thank you for having us. us. Before you make a big purchase, you probably do your research, right? You don't want to lay out your hard-earned money on a big-ticket item and find out you made a bad choice. But a new survey shows that Americans spent 40% more time researching their last appliance purchase than they do in choosing a doctor. Joining us is Bert Can. He is executive vice president and head of product at Healthgrades. And Bert, I- explain why it is important to invest this same type of effort and research before choosing a doctor, like you would any other major purchase.
3: You know, ultimately, the doctor, you know, choosing the right doctor is one of the most important relationships you're ever going to choose in your life. And especially if you have a chronic condition or going in for surgery, you know, finding the right physician. It can have a meaningful impact on the, the quality of, of your day to day life, your, the rest of your life, and it, in, even in some cases can be a, a matter of life and death.
0: And certainly, we know that you know how uh, how much money we're talking about uh, in, in terms of medical care. I mean, we talk about uh, investing our hard-earned money in a a car or appliance or any other major purchase. Uh, this is much the same on uh, in that respect as well. But I can hear a lot of people saying, "Okay, so how do we do that?" One of the reasons why we don't do that is because you know, we're not medical experts. What, we don't know what we don't know. So what do we not know to ask about or look for when choosing a doctor, especially a specialist?
3: So there's, there's really three things to look for, right? And as a starting point, most people, right, we all start with asking our friends and we start with insurance and are they nearby, right? And those are kind of qualifiers. But beyond that, there, there's three things. The, the first is compatibility, and by compatibility, it's it's someone that you can work with. And especially if it's a chronic condition or a primary care physician, you want somebody who's compatible with your way of thinking about the world and your way of communicating. Some people like to go to the doctor and want it to be super efficient and just want to be told, you know, what to do, what to take and, and be done with it. Other people want a partner in their care and, and, and have someone they can talk to and relate to. And that's a completely personal decision. And it's, you know, you should make that decision, right? That is, that's an important part of this process because yeah. bearing with you know, having a good relationship makes a huge difference in your outcome.
0: You know, that is obviously uh, an, an intangible thing would be hard to quantify. Uh, then there's also the more tangible qualities like background information, information, and so on. Uh, how do we, you know, what do we look for and how do we interpret that type of data?
3: So the other, the other two pieces of information, right? Beyond compatibility, one is the doctor's relevant experience and the other is hospital quality. So by relevant experience, what I mean by that is, do they have a lot of practice working on your specific need, right? Just like anybody else, doctors are, are not entirely interchangeable. They have things, they get better with practice and they have things that they are more interested in and specialize in. So the example is, if you're going to get your knee replaced, don't go to a general surger, surgeon, go to an orthopedist. But beyond that, within orthopedics, there are orthopedic surgeons who specialize in replacing knees. And there's orthopedic surgeons who specialize in working on shoulders. If you're going to get your knee done, on average, you're going to be better off going to somebody who has more practice working with knees and specializes in knees
6: Makes than someone with
3: shoulders. And that is, that's the sort of information that is available in places like Healthgrades.com, where we take all of the claims data for that physician over, over a period of time. And we share whether this physician does more or less of this procedure versus um, other similar physicians. So you can start to get a sense of, you know, do they have the, that necessary level of practice and experience for my specific needs? It's not to say that you know, all doctors, they're just different, right? Like anything else, if you're going to get your, right. you talk about appliances, right? If you're going to get your refrigerator repaired, you get a refrigerator repair, repairman, don't get a dishwasher repairman. The dishwasher right. guy could probably do it, but the refrigerator diet will do better. Um, and then the, the third piece of it is hospital quality. What most people don't realize is the, the hospital where you get the work done is oftentimes as important or more important than the physician doing the work. And the reason that is is that healthcare is, is really a team sport, and your care and getting you better is a team sport. The, the doctor may be the, the quarterback of that team, but everybody matters, and you're going to spend a lot more time working with the rest of the team than you do with the physician. And so how they work with each other, um, you know, how, they, how they communicate, how they communicate with you, that, that all adds up to making a huge difference in your in your ultimate outcome.
0: You know, these days we live in a, a, a time where we review, we post reviews about just about everything online, whether we're buying uh, a box of cornflakes uh, or, uh, like I said, a new TV on Amazon or uh, even doctors and hospitals uh, will we'll get online reviews. How do we know that the information that we are using? Uh, and we are looking at is reliable. Like with everything else, um, I would imagine there's good information and bad information online.
3: Absolutely. And what I always think about, if you think about those three things, I think on average, if you look at enough consumer reviews, consumers are pretty good at identifying whether you might be compatible with working with that physician or not, right? Just like Consumers will do a pretty good job at describing what the atmosphere in a restaurant is like and whether that, and then you can decide whether that's going to work for you or not. Um, but when it comes down to physician experience and hospital quality, you really need to rely on third party sources that are taking objective measures. Those, that's not about opinion, right? That's about facts. You either have the practice, the experience or you don't. You either have good results or you don't. And sources like health grades that aggregate that information and, and make it accessible to consumers are a much more valuable resource than relying on opinions of, you know, anybody, right? Friends, strangers, other doctors, right? At the end of the day, the facts are what matter.
0: Again, for National Doctors' Day, we talk about the importance of doing your research when choosing a doctor like you would any other major uh, purchase or life decision. Uh, Bert Kahn is Executive Vice President and Health Grades. And where do folks get more information? As you said, uh, your website uh, makes much of this uh, really easily accessible for average folks.
3: Yeah, so you can come to healthgrades.com, and our job is to make this information as transparent um, as and as easily digestible as possible so you can feel confident that you made the right decision for you uh, or a family member for your specific needs.
0: Bert, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much, Chris. Have a great day.
0: Well, of course, this weekend is the first weekend of the month, and that typically means Fun Day Sunday at the University of Finley's Menza Museum. And uh, Ben Sapp is with us uh, in the studio this morning. Two in a row, in person now. We were just talking before we went on the air. That's got yeah, to be an encouraging sign.
6: Indeed, As, it is. We're excited to have uh, families back and looking forward to this Sunday.
0: Yeah, uh, and the last uh, last month, it uh, went really smoothly, I understand. So they, yeah, very well. Kind of doing the same uh, procedure
6: for this one, right? Yes, uh, we asked people uh, to go to our website and register. There are two sessions on Sunday afternoon, the first one from 1 to 2.30 and the second one from 3 to
0: 4.30. Okay, and the theme this month is flight. Tell us a little bit about the theme and how you're incorporating that into Fun Day Sunday
6: this month. Sure. Uh, the, the theme is flight. Uh, you'll be able to uh, see uh, folks from the Finley Flying Circuits. Uh, they'll be here to build a plane station, a flight simulator uh, in our new Conda Steam Center. Uh, also, the marathon uh folks will be here to explore a computer station uh dealing with flight uh we'll be able to um, make a flying disc art activity, a kite station uh hot air balloon art activity um, and uh building um a helicopter balloon station as well Ah
0: so it really when we say flight, all kinds of uh ways that uh we can take flight exactly so, yeah. yes. And you mentioned that uh, so much of this is uh, coordinated uh, through the, uh, the new STEAM Center that you have. For those, again, because this is still relatively new, tell us a little bit about that.
6: Sure. The uh, Conda STEAM Center, Education Center, it has given us an additional 4,000-square-foot space to really utilize the art, bringing it to life through science, technology, engineering, uh, art, of course, and then math. And uh, it really has allowed things like the Fun Day Sunday for people to spread out and to enjoy the, the space and the activities that we provide on and, that day. And very hands-on stuff, exactly. which has
0: always been a, a part of Fun Day Sunday, but especially uh, with this resource, it makes it even more so. Indeed so. Uh, so, and then I, I know that the, uh, the themes are always uh, centered around, there's a story time, there's a book. Uh, is there a specific book that you were uh, kind of coordinating this or tying it into?
6: There will be several books that okay. will be shared in the, during the afternoon, uh, during a story time. Um, and that's what we try to do throughout the, the Fun Day Sunday. And, and indeed, the Conda STEAM Center is to take the art that we have and the books and to bring them th- uh, to life through, the, through this new space.
0: So again, if folks want to uh, attend, uh, we ask that you uh, register to kind of control the size of the crowds, uh, as it were, um, but it, it will be an in-person event again on Sunday, so give us the uh, times once again.
6: Here. Sure. Uh, the time for the first session is from 1 to 2.30, and the second session is from 3 to 4.30. And a great deal of thanks goes to the Farmers and Merchant State Bank and Taylor Automotive Family for their support of this program.
0: And uh, you can get more information on this event and the museum itself, because you are also open just for if people want to visit, right?
6: Exactly. We're open Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from noon to five and Sundays from one to four. If you
0: have never been, it is a tremendous resource in the community, a hidden gem to be sure. Uh, the University of Finley's Mazza Museum, Funday Sunday, taking flight this weekend. Ben Sapp from the uh, Mazza Museum with us uh, this morning. Ben, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks Thanks, Chris. Well, on a normal day, uh, it would be at this juncture of the program that we would get into the broken news, the uh, odd and unusual, the lighter side of the news. But given uh, what's going on this morning, this doesn't seem to be the day for that. Uh, To recap the breaking news that we have for you this morning, Deputies are on the lookout for three individuals in the Bluffton area who fled after a high speed pursuit on I 75 near Bluffton, which uh, happened earlier this morning. This is from a uh, press release from the Hancock County Sheriff's Office. News Director Matt Demchek is with us uh, in the studio this morning. And do we really know anything more at this point than what we have been reporting uh, to this point? Officially, uh, just that there are three individuals that are being sought mm-hmm. following a a high-speed uh, pur- uh, pursuit on I-75, and that's about all we know, officially.
1: Yeah, yeah. the confirmed information is pretty much what we've been getting out so far. Authorities are on the lookout for those three people who fled after that uh, pursuit on I-75 near Bluffton. And uh, other than that, uh, we're still in the gathering information stage. We're yeah. still trying to get more information, but we're hearing, hearing things, but nothing to go on with yet. But that is where we are now. That it sounds like it is obviously a very serious Situation, um, and we're working to confirm some things we are. We are hearing right now, but what mm-hmm. we've been reporting so far is what people uh, right. is what's out there and what people need to know about that, uh, the end of that pursuit in the, in the Bluffton area.
0: And uh, that brings us to the point that we really should make, that there is an awful lot of unconfirmed information that is circulating on social media this morning from individuals who live in the area. Uh, we don't know the uh, source of uh, that information, whether it's just rumors. There uh, had been uh, unconfirmed reports that there might have been an officer injured uh, in, in that pursuit. Uh, which would not be out of the realm of possibility, but it is uh, it is unconfirmed, and as a matter of fact, uh, during the uh, news break uh, just a moment ago, uh, I reached out to uh, Sheriff Michael Heldman to uh, find out if we could get uh, any information on that confirmed, and uh, he would not confirm uh, that at this time, although we are waiting to hear more from the Public Information Office from the Ohio State Highway Patrol, mm-hmm. which hopefully we will get uh, in touch with them here shortly and, and maybe get uh, some insight on uh, some of the other uh, rumors that are being uh, circulated on social media, but we caution people be very wary of of what you hear on social media at this point.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, as we are mentioning, yeah, we're working on confirming uh, or or denying some of that the information right. that we're seeing on social media right now. some of it could uh, turn out to be true. And as soon as we know the information, we will uh, we will pass it along.
0: Yeah, uh, we're trying to get information as quickly as possible, but more important to be accurate uh, than to be uh, quick with it. And so as of right now, what we know is that there was a some sort of uh, of a pursuit on Interstate 75 uh, earlier this morning uh, that ended near uh, the Bluffton area and the sheriff's office and other agencies are currently uh, pursuing those individuals, searching for those individuals. Which is, uh, I understand, being hampered by the weather conditions. Mm -mm. Uh, Obviously, uh, from what we uh, are hearing, there were helicopters involved in the search, very difficult to fly with the uh, winds being what they are. So whether that uh, had to be grounded, we don't know. But again, that's certainly not making it any easier for authorities. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, definitely not the ideal uh, day for this weather-wise. It is uh, still windy out there. and I think we're still in that wind advisory, but yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, and in conjunction with that, uh we are told that there uh are uh accidents uh, at least one and and perhaps more accidents on i-75 they may be related to you know people with the distractions of everything else that's going on may have to do with the uh, high winds but there are accidents uh uh, on i-75 that area is backing up as you would imagine uh as a result of uh all of the activity in the area and we are told that it's people Exit the interstate to try and find uh, alternative routes to get where they're going this morning. That's uh, backing up and clogging up uh, the uh, side roads as Mm -hmm. well. Um, the uh, sheriff's office goes on to say that if anyone does see any suspicious individuals in the area uh, to uh, get a hold of the sheriff's office, their number 419-422-2424, or, or, of course, you can call 911 uh, if you uh, have any information uh, that may lead to the uh, uh, the, uh, uh Capture of these uh, individuals. As a result, too, uh, there are school closings here this morning uh because of that situation bluffton schools have closed for the day out of an abundance of caution also Corey Rawson schools have gone to a remote learning day today trinity lutheran has closed and arlington is on a two-hour delay those are the ones in our most immediate area and as always the uh, complete list of school delays and closings are posted on air and online courtesy of blanchard valley health system and laurich chevrolet cadillac and uh all of the uh, latest information as we have it, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have it on the air, obviously, when we uh, get uh, any further information immediately. And you can also get the uh, latest information uh, online at uh, WFIN.com on the WFIN app, which is free to download the App Store and Google Play. You can get uh, all of the uh, latest information that way as well. Uh, you can also sign up for text alerts. Um, and we are pushing that information as we have it out uh, on those platforms as well. Again, working to get uh, all of this information verified. And we would say be very wary of information that is circulating on social media, because as of right now, most, if not all of the information on social media that is being shared is unconfirmed. It may well Uh, play out that uh, some of that information is accurate but as of right now we just simply do not know once again deputies on the lookout for three people who fled after a pursuit on interstate 75 near bluffton earlier today according to uh, the hancock County sheriff's office they and numerous other agencies are on the lookout for on the search for three individuals several roadways in and around the Bluffton area are closed and there is a strong law enforcement presence in that area. They are urging the public to stay away Uh, and if anyone does see any suspicious individuals or suspicious activity in the area, call the sheriff's office or 911. We'll have much more as it becomes available. Breaking news this morning, 1330 WFIN. 95.5 95.5 FM and, of course, WFIN.com.
3: Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills, and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at w. FIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet and Alexa devices. And now
0: your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. It's been a kind of a crazy morning here at the old radio ranch uh, with breaking news and uh, the weather conditions kind of nasty out there with the high winds and all of that. Lots uh, going on here, and it gets a little stressful sometimes. This is kind of interesting. Uh, a, a new uh, study commissioned by MyAir, which is a food tech startup. I don't know what the connection is to this particular topic, but this is uh, who commissioned the survey they found that uh people are most stressed out on Mondays and tuesdays the uh the uh time that many uh, that most of us are the most stressed are Monday and Tuesday evenings specifically at seven pm as the the stress most stressful time of your week Monday and Tuesday at seven pm um now, that is for women, though. This is what is really interesting is uh, uh, American women most stressed out on Monday and Tuesday at 7 p.m. The average American male hits that same peak of stress on Friday evening at 8 p.m. This is from an analysis of more than 200,000 uh, points. Uh, what is this? More than 200,000 days and nights and 16 billion data points that they analyze in this. Uh, They also found that on average, women are 5% more stressed than men at all times of the day, all days of the week. Despite feeling the strain more than men, women still fall asleep about 10% faster than their male counterparts and also get an additional 21 minutes of sleep each night, which is kind of interesting because we talk about how uh, stress affects your sleep uh, in a negative way. But apparently, that doesn't always hold true, at least according to the uh, numbers. 16 billion points of data. They analyzed this to come up with the... Uh, but in case you were wondering, when you hit your most stress, and maybe you can uh, track this in your own, uh, in your own life, is this is true, Monday and Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. for women, Friday evening at 8 p.m. for men. And why specifically those times? I have no idea. But now you know. Now we get to our Throwback Thursday segment this morning. Uh, Tomorrow begins the month of April, which is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence says one in three women will be victims of some form of abuse by their spouse or intimate partner at some point in their lifetime. Many of those victims who have yet to speak up, speak out, and seek help may be sitting next to you in church every Sunday. And while most of us would like to think that that would be a perfect place to seek help, the fact is that many churches are unprepared to offer that help. Autumn Miles is a Christian author and speaker who is herself a survivor of spousal abuse and today serves as an advocate for victims. Back in February of 2017, we spoke to her about the issue it is today's throwback Thursday. Autumn, your story is a case in point of how situations can be mishandled by well-meaning but unprepared pastors and congregations.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I experienced this firsthand. I was a victim. I um, went to my church, and my church was, just as you said, unprepared. There was no contingency plan for someone that was dealing with domestic violence. And uh, because there was nothing in place, they actually brought me before the church for church discipline and referred to Matthew 18. And my abuser really manipulated the leadership of the church. And so I ended up leaving the church um, a victim of domestic violence. So there was a sense that
0: you were not... Believed, or that it was uh, that there was a mindset that somehow you were at fault.
2: Absolutely, you know th- there there is a lot of skepticism when someone comes forward, um, unfortunately, and says I'm being abused mm-hmm. uh, because it's kind of her word against his type thing. They, uh, my church leadership, believed me for a short period of time until they talked to talked to my husband who was a master manipulator, um, and, and really they sway he swayed their opinion about what was actually happening. Uh,
0: some will some will see this as kind of the extension of a larger problem within the church, one that has led to the decline of many congregations that people feel that they are judged or looked down upon for whatever perceived sins they may be guilty of.
2: Absolutely. Here's the thing. Domestic violence is an epidemic, and it has been for years and years and years. Our churches need to do better in this area. Um, The the study that that I was involved with said 50 percent, about 50 percent of churches are not prepared for this. This is um, a tragedy, when it comes to someone that could be potentially raising their hand in worship next to you that's getting abused by their husband when they go home or when they're on their way to to church, uh, home from church. Our churches should be prepared and help to get rid of this problem. We need the church to be the church and to handle um, a a victim that desperately needs a place or hope so what
0: are the key facets to creating a, a plan to deal with because again i th- i think most of us who go to church regularly would like to think of our church as being a safe haven for those that are being abused and to find out that maybe we are not Uh, Again, that we are well-meaning but really unprepared for this. What are the the basic key steps to working a plan to deal with a a, a situation like this if and when it comes up?
2: I'm so glad that you asked that. Listen, 98% of these pastors that were polled said, listen, our church is a safe haven. We consider it, which tells me our precious pastors— Want to help in this area, but the perception of whether they are or not is just false. They they, they need to. Uh, you go know to my website, but these are the these are the ten steps that we've come up with. First of all, um, you have to communicate from the pulpit. Domestic violence is not permissible and it's not okay. Let me tell you what happens when you do that. A victim that is suffering silently and secretly will see their pastor as an ally. They will see hope in their pastor, Um, and and it will create a safe mindset for them to maybe come forward. Listen, my pastor is not okay with this. He said he made a public stance on this. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe this is a place where I can get help. That's the first thing. Know and familiarize uh, your team with the domestic violence hotline. You need to have resources at your disposal um, as far as a counselor. That you can hook your church up with a biblical counselor that is prepared to handle what this looks like. There is another another thing is there is typically a shelter in the area that would be a safe place. Every church needs to have uh, at least one safe house. If a woman comes forward, and we're, this is, we're just talking about women, we're not talking about children, Uh, that could potentially be involved as well. Yeah. So those are some good good
0: tips. Some basic starting points to putting together uh, some sort of coordinated plan to handle this and handle it properly and just to underscore how important this is and how devastating it can be to victims who come forward to their church only to uh, not get the response that they expect or that they deserve, in your case this was the church that you had grown up with, that, that, <laughs> yeah. you had to, that you had to leave as a result. And I would imagine that just makes it all the more devastating.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so, my dad was actually the pastor of this church. Mm. Um, he was for 20 years and they, the, the leadership, they were so uneducated and so unprepared. Now, let me just say, I have forgiven each of these men. I actually got an apology letter from one of them a few years ago, very sincere, apologizing for what they did to me. So, so let me just say, there is God's grace um, for, for these precious men and women that are leaving our churches. Um, but yes, I, I had to leave a church that should have been a haven for me. Our churches must, be a place of hope yeah. for people
0: like me. So you can see how devastating that much must be to just compound one thing on top of another, being forced to, to leave a church that you, you grew up in uh, because you uh, came forward about this entirely other devastating I- event in your life. It just uh, would uh, be unfathomable. And I, I don't think any one of us would want to think that our church would have that type of reaction. But again, the numbers tell us otherwise. Uh, Autumn, Autumn Miles, again, is a, a Christian author speaker, a survivor-turned-advocate for all of the victims that are out there. As you mentioned, you have more resources and more about your story online, correct?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, you can go to autumnmiles.com and you can find the study, you can find the tips for churches, you can find my story right
0: there. Autumn, thanks very much for taking the time and opening some eyes this morning. We certainly wish you a continued success.
2: Awesome, thanks for having me.
0: From February of 2017, our conversation with Autumn Miles, Christian author and speaker who herself is a survivor of spousal abuse, today an advocate for victims. You can learn more at our webpage, goodmornings.net. That'll wrap up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information on all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, alcohol use in the home spiked during the pandemic. Probably not surprising, and that accelerated an already growing trend. But is that sending a dangerous message to young people? Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.